It's time for Dishing Up Nutrition with licensed nutritionist Darlene Kavist. Each week, Darlene explains the connection between what you eat and how you feel. Stay tuned to hear practical, real-life solutions for healthier living through good nutrition. Dishing Up Nutrition is brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Slow down, you move too fast. You got to make the morning last. Just kick them down. Welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. I am Brenna Thompson, registered and licensed dietitian, and this show is brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness, a company bringing you life-changing nutrition education and counseling. Joining me today in studio is Cara Carper, licensed nutritionist and certified nutrition specialist. Good morning, Cara. Good morning, Brenna. So I have a question for you. Okay. (laughs) Have you ever had your hands or your feet fall asleep? Well, of course. (laughs) And then you kind of get that burning and tingling yes, sensation. Absolutely. You fall asleep on your arm when you're sleeping. And yeah, yes. we probably all had that. But can you imagine feeling that burning sensation all the time, every day, day in and day out? Oh my gosh, no, I can't. But people do live with that daily burning and tingling sensation. It's called neuropathy and it's the topic for our show today. Simply put, neuropathy is inflammation of the nerves. And we use that term inflammation a lot, but what does inflammation really mean? So, Cara, can you help our listeners understand what inflammation means? Definitely. So people are probably familiar with the inflammation that they can see and feel. Like, for example, if they sprain an ankle, it gets swollen, red, it's often hot to the touch. So this type of This type of inflammation is acute inflammation that would happen after a trauma or an injury. Yes, but as the body heals, the swelling will go down and the inflammation will go away. However, there's another type of inflammation that happens over a long time. Long-term chronic inflammation builds up over time. It's not the acute kind that we were talking about. So it's this full body or systemic inflammation that can actually lead to aging diseases like heart disease, diabetes, and in the case of today's topic, it can lead to neuropathy. Yeah, and this, you know, if we're thinking that heart disease is what happens when blood vessels are inflamed for many years, then neuropathy is what occurs when nerves are inflamed for many years. Think of the nerves in your fingers and toes being inflamed. It's like if they're swollen and hot and irritated And when nerves are inflamed, they don't send their electrical signals correctly. And part of the problem with the nerves has to do with the fatty coating around the nerves called the myelin sheath. And I know if people have listened to our shows before on like MS or other neurological diseases, they might be familiar with talking about the myelin sheath. But this coating, this myelin should protect our nerves. But when it's chronically inflamed, it starts to break down. So a great visual for this process is to think of an electrical wire with the rubber coating around it. The wire conducts electricity similar to the electrical currents that run through our nerves, which are protected by that rubber coating. I like your analogy of that. It really made a lot of sense to me. Yes. And well, when you own an old house and you have to start doing (laughs) electrical work, (laughs) that's what you think about all the time. Right. Yes. So the rubber coating around the wire is like the myelin sheath around our nerves. It protects the wire. So myelin protects your nerves from coming into contact with other nerves or tissues and short-circuiting. 
So if the myelin is inflamed for a long time, it can start to break down. And you can visualize this. You know, it's breaking down, leaving the nerves exposed. Then the nerves are also susceptible to more inflammation. And if we think of going back to the wire, if you have a wire or a couple of wires that shouldn't be touching and they should have that rubber coating around them, but we take that rubber coating away, we take the myelin away, then those wires are touching Mm -hmm. and they shouldn't be. And then... Are you secretly an electrician? uh, (laughs) No, but my father-in-law is. Okay. (laughs) You know a lot about this. So the logical question then is what causes chronic inflammation and breakdown of the myelin sheath. That's what Dar has taught us. She goes, go back to what the cause is. Mm -hmm. And so we're going back to the cause of the chronic inflammation, breaking down the myelin sheath and the nerves it's supposed to protect. So then what can we do to prevent or treat it? Well, there are several triggers that can lead to neuropathy, which is a leading contributor these days is uncontrolled blood sugar. So we often see this in diabetes, don't we? All the time in diabetes. It's really, it's actually the, so diabetes is the number one cause of neuropathy. Mm-hmm. It's a, uh, just because the blood sugars are going to be chronically elevated and that leads to that inflammation. But a zinc thiamine or vitamin B12 deficiency may also lead to neuropathy. And we talk about blood sugars a lot here on Dishing Up Nutrition. We sure do. (laughs) But how do high blood sugars lead to inflammation of the nerves, Brenna? Well, as blood sugar increases, the blood can actually become thick. And thick blood will not flow well through blood vessels and reach the nerve endings at the ends of your fingers and toes very well. And that's where people experience that tingling and burning sensation the most, or those Mm -hmm. fingers and toes. Without adequate blood flow, the myelin sheath doesn't receive adequate oxygen, doesn't receive the vitamins and minerals, or even cholesterol. And cholesterol is needed to support and repair the myelin sheath. So controlling blood sugars by eating a diet low in sugar and processed carbohydrates would be step number one for a lot of people treating and preventing neuropathy. And think about, too, if someone's have, like trying to be on a low-cholesterol diet. Yes. And that's a topic for, for another, a whole other show. Another but, day, but that could even certainly lead to this inflammation and breakdown of the myelin sheath. Yes, because when we go on a low, most low-cholesterol diets are very low-fat, very low-protein, right. which we'll talk about a little bit later. But when we take those foods out, what do people fill up on? Just, well, the higher carbohydrate, higher sugar, and then... That's what you were just saying, the high blood sugars. Mm -hmm. So it all kind of goes together here. It is. So controlling blood sugars, again, by eating a diet low in sugar and processed carbohydrates would be step number one for a lot of people trying to treat this neuropathy. Absolutely. And step number two would be correcting a deficiency. Like if there's, you had talked about a vitamin B deficiency and thiamine is a vitamin B. There are lots of B vitamins. (laughs) And that is just one in particular for this condition, and then the zinc deficiency as well. And so B1, because sometimes your B vitamins have a number like B1 or B2, but they also have another name. So B1, also known as thiamine, and then we have B6 and B12. These vitamins are very important when it comes to nerve function. So if people eat a diet low in animal protein, they can become susceptible to a B12 deficiency. A big problem for, Mm -hmm. say, vegans. Mm -hmm. For vegans. And then also, 
taking an acid-blocking medication for heartburn can decrease the body's ability to absorb B12. So if someone's been on Pepsid, Prilosec, Zantac, or constantly chewing on Tums each day, they're really setting themselves up for a vitamin B12 deficiency. I always think of that story about a client that Dar had years and years ago who had like could barely walk up the steps of the now mm-hmm. old St. Paul office. Mm-hmm. I remember the story as well. Yes. And they came in and the gentleman had neuropathy, essentially, and was having trouble walking and a whole host of other issues. He was losing feeling slowly in his legs. Yes. Mm-hmm. And Dar finally, you know, through digging and looking at his health history, discovered that he had been on Prilosec or Pepsid or mm-hmm. something for years and years and years and years. I feel like it was 10 years or it was, it was a long time. It was time. a long time. <laughs> and he had been on it for his chronic heartburn. But when she dug to the bottom of it, he had a gluten sensitivity. So the gluten that he was eating was causing the heartburn. heartburn. And the Prilosec that he was taking over those years led to a B12 deficiency. Mm -hmm. So we take the gluten out, can get rid of the Prilosec, rebuild the B12. And and guess what? The feeling came back in his legs. Yes. And he was able to walk up those steps easily. Another thing, too, Brenna, about that story is he was losing his memory. Oh, that's right. Because B12 deficiency can lead to loss of memory. Yeah, those B vitamins, we don't, we think that they're so easy to get, mm -hmm. but it's easy to become deficient in them as well because they're water soluble. So that's, I think that's just a really important piece is the acid blockers can, you know, prevent the absorption of B12. And we see so many people on these acid blockers. And they're really supposed to be short term. They are. Well, I think they're recommended only for about two weeks. Mm -hmm. It actually does say that on the box. box. (laughs) It does. But but yeah, a lot of doctors have people on those for life. For years and years. Because we just never get to the root cause of the, um, of the, oh, what is it? The reflux. (laughs) Exactly. The acid reflux. The acid reflux. So we have a lot more to talk about with uh, neuropathy and but I think we should probably take our first, first break, break. Here. Okay. You're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. And as a runner, and I know Brenna is a runner as well, but it can be really frustrating to get injured and not be able to participate in a favorite activity like running. So a while back, I developed a bad case of plantar fasciitis. Plantar fasciitis is inflammation of the plantar fascia ligament, which runs along the bottom of the foot from the heel to the toe. It's the most common form of foot pain seen by doctors and podiatrists. So as a ligament, it works like a rubber band, loosening and contracting in order to support the surrounding bones and muscles. When this ligament becomes inflamed, it makes activities such as standing, walking, and of course running very painful. So when we come back from break, I'll share some tips on reducing the inflammation associated with plantar fasciitis. And please give us a call today if you have any questions. The number at the studio is 651-641-1071. When my family starts with, what's for dinner, what's for dinner, sometimes I feel the answer is a plate of desperation with a big side of stress. With no plan, it's too easy to hit the drive-thru or the deli for a meal that's overpriced and overprocessed. But now there's an answer to the daily dining dilemma, the Weight and Wellness Way Cookbook and Nutrition Guide. Because it's a cookbook, it's got recipes sure to become family favorites. 
Because it's a nutrition guide, it explains how to eat for good health. You'll feel good, too, eating real food that tastes delicious. The nutrition educators at Nutritional Weight and Wellness have helped thousands of people use nutrition science to feel their best. And now you can find their wisdom summed up in one book. Then the next time they start with, what's to eat? You can say wild rice meatballs or easy almond chicken or an egg bake for brunch. Real food and real nutrition will make it real easy with the Weight and Wellness Cookbook and Nutrition Guide. Get your copy for $24.95 at any Nutritional Weight and Wellness location or online at weightandwellness.com. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. Before break, I described how plantar fasciitis is inflammation of the plantar ligament on the bottom of the foot. And you had mentioned that you have been dealing with plantar fasciitis for a while now or a little while ago due to running. But I know that plantar fasciitis can also occur as a result of just standing on hard surfaces, wearing the wrong shoes, such as high heels, and then participating in other high impact exercises that would include like a lot of jumping. Mm -hmm. And so to reduce plantar fasciitis pain, it's important to avoid inflammatory foods. And inflammatory foods would be sugar, um, you know, that kind of the obvious dessert form of sugar. The cupcakes and the waffles and the pancakes. Yeah, the processed carbs as well. And also damaged fats. Um, And by damaged fats, I think we're going to talk a little bit more about that, but that would be trans fats and refined oils like soybean, corn, corn, cottonseed, the proverbial vegetable oil. Exactly. So all those are when we say damaged fats, that's what we mean. Everything we talk about today to reduce neuropathy, our other topic, is also going to help with plantar fasciitis pain. So during week three of a current Nutrition for Weight Loss series, I had a client or a participant in there, and she just said right off the bat, she goes, my PF has gone away. My plantar fasciitis is gone. So is she probably, I mean, maybe that wasn't her main reason. It wasn't her main reason. <laughs> no, there, she but was, it was just like, oh, this is a nice bonus. It is a you good know, bonus. I know that can be very painful and pretty debilitating as well. But it's amazing what can happen in just two to three weeks of changing eating. And many people also find relief by massaging the foot with a tennis ball or I used a golf ball. I think either one will work. Or wearing, you know, there's special splints that can be worn at night that will help stretch out that plantar ligament. And also, you know, this is kind of a hard one for avid runners and exercisers, but Avoiding the activity that led to the plantar fasciitis is really important. Kicking those feet up. Yeah. Kick those feet up. You know, you might have to take a little little rest. Icing the foot is great. And, and painful. I know. I know. That's another one. It's not real fun. But that really reduces the inflammation and kind of breaks that cycle of chronic inflammation. The pain of plantar fasciitis can really persist for quite some time. And a lot of people end up taking anti-inflammatory pain meds for weeks on end. Um, And these medications such as Advil, Tylenol, or ibuprofen, they can be toxic for your liver and damage the lining of the stomach when taken chronically. Just if you have maybe really mild pain and you take one of those here and there a couple times a month, maybe you get just Mm -hmm. uh, the occasional headache, it's okay. Or like maybe a day of um, cramping during a menstrual cycle. Yes, but this is when people have pain and their doctors just 
tell them, oh, just start taking these meds. And they just continue to take them for weeks and months to alleviate chronic pain, though, and get people off of things like Aleve and Tylenol. I will have clients take two to four Caprex over the course Mm -hmm. of the day. And Caprex is great. It works. It's very similar to how these other pain medications work. Uh, But it's all natural. It doesn't have the negative side effects. It's actually a hops extract. So when I tell clients that, they look at me and they go, oh, so can I just drink beer? Right. (laughs) I was just going to say, somebody will probably ask that question. And no, you can't just drink beer because beer would be really high in carbohydrates. (laughs) It would be, the alcohol would be inflammatory and... So it must be an extract. It must be I'm that hops extract. Hops. Yeah. yeah. So, And that's a product. I mean, it's a great product by Metagenics that we carry, and it works really well for reducing pain and inflammation. It sure does. Love that stuff. You know, when you were talking about how um, people often go on NSAIDs and they go on these anti-inflammatory, whether it's over-the-counter or prescription, it reminded me of the acid reflux and how people go on acid blockers for many years at a time, not knowing all the damaging side effects. And not really getting to the root cause. So before break, we had talked about how being on an acid blocker like Zantac or Prilosec or just constantly chewing Tums are setting people up for a vitamin B12 deficiency. Mm -hmm. But another cause that I kind of sort of mentioned here of B12 deficiency is chronic alcohol abuse. So when the body is busy processing alcohol from beer, wine, and liquor, it can't utilize any of the B vitamins appropriately. So another reason to not have beer as the form of hops. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) We had mentioned previously that a zinc deficiency may lead to neuropathy. Zinc is a mineral that's very important in nerve function. Um, It's similar to vitamin B12 in that it's found in animal proteins, So animal proteins are high in zinc and B12. They're high in lots of nutrients. (laughs) And actually the food highest in zinc is the oyster. So (laughs) I am not 100% sure I would be eating a lot of oysters to get my daily zinc, but I will certainly eat some grass-fed beef. I was just looking at the... We have a caller. Is this this an okay? Yeah, this is a great time. Let's take a call. Okay, great. Sounds good. Hi, welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. Lorraine, do you have a question about Prilosec for us today? Yes, my grandma is 100, and she's been on Prilosec for a few years. They tried taking it away. That doesn't work. She has to be on it. So I heard that she should be taking the vitamin B12. My question is, should she take that when they give her the Prilosec, or should it be at opposite times of the day? It. I would recommend doing it at opposite times of the day, and possibly looking for, I know in the office we sell a sublingual B complex. I think we also have some B12 drops that you would take under the tongue so that it kind of bypasses the stomach and gets Mm -hmm. right into the bloodstream. I know a lot of people also will do B12 shots. So, Yeah, uh, she probably wouldn't do that, but a, a pill or some form like that she could do. And I wish your show was two hours. Oh, that would be you. nice. We wish it? it was too, because it's hard to get all the information in. Now, do you ever, would she be open to doing, I don't know if she lives in the area, but would she be open to having a consultation with a nutritionist one-on-one to kind of address the root cause of why she's needing this? She actually lives south of Rochester, so no, that wouldn't work. Okay. 
Um, we do phone appointments. You know, that's I'm just thinking, you know, we've helped many, many clients to actually it's it is very difficult to get off of acid blockers. Um, but if it's done carefully and correctly, you know, we, it can be done. It can be done. Usually it involves supporting the gut with some, you know, maybe probiotics, some good acidophilus, some is... digestive enzymes and really looking at what she's eating as well. I just wanted to throw that out there. <laughs> Yeah, and unfortunately, she's she's hard of hearing. She hasn't heard for probably 10 years, oh. and she is 100. So I know, I, I know. Um, I would love to have you guys help her because you know what they serve at nursing homes, so. It's not always the best. Yeah, well, you know, listen to one of our podcasts on acid reflux, and maybe you could uh, pass on some information to her. So I wish her the best. All right, thanks a lot, you guys. Thanks for You're your You're welcome. Thank you for calling. Yeah, bye. Bye-bye. Okay, so Cara, you had said you're not going to eat oysters. Well, you know, they're okay, but I'm not going to incorporate them in my diet every day. But like I was saying, grass-fed beef Would is be also very great. high zinc, and so, I love grass-fed beef. Well, and this is a good weekend for it. We can grill up some grass-fed beef burgers, yeah. or last night we did steak salads that were delicious. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah, so that's a, you know, again, B12 and zinc and all that meat. <laughs> So going back to this, by avoiding processed carbohydrates and including animal protein in our diets, we not only keep our blood sugars balanced, but we're also going to provide it with adequate vitamins and minerals to nourish, support, and protect our nerves and the myelin sheath around them. So, Brent, I hate to keep interrupting, but we do have another caller here. let's take it. let's go ahead and take Gloria's call. Hi, Gloria. Welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. What's your question for us today? I would just like to hear you uh, your opinion on peanut oil because I I never hear it put in the bad oils or in the good oils. Well, peanut oil is kind of interesting. It's not something that I would necessarily recommend kind of for daily use, but uh-huh. for the occasional, um, if you really want to do a little like pan fried chicken or fish or something, peanut oil, especially if it's uh a high quality peanut oil and you're just using it that one time uh, is a good oil to do more of that high temp frying. So that's when I would use it. But because of the fact that it is, it's just peanut oil, it's not going to have quite the same metabolism boosting benefits that using butter and coconut oil would for more of your daily cooking. Okay, but it wouldn't be considered a really high processed oil like the corn oil and that stuff? No, because you think of a peanut, it's a peanut is a nice healthy fat for us versus something like your soybeans and your corn. They don't have fat. They're just starches. So they have to be heavily processed. Okay. Well, I have an aunt that's amazing at at well over 90 years hiking about and she uses peanut oil all the time. So I thought it couldn't be too bad. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And uh, yeah, so again, it's the peanut oil I would use for the occasional higher temp frying, but okay, not thanks. necessarily for daily stuff. Do we have more callers? No. Oh. Thank, thank you, Gloria, for your call. Have a great day. It's time for us to take another break. Okay, sounds good. But you are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. I want to share a quick success story with you. Two years ago, I met with Sharon, who was experiencing some sleep problems, low energy, digestive issues, and to top it off, she wants to lose 70 pounds. Did I mention that she's also a very, very picky vegetarian? But by helping Sharon cut out the processed carbs and find appropriate protein sources for her, 
She has lost 56 pounds in two years, which puts her only 14 pounds away from her ultimate goal. And she had told me this a couple weeks ago, so I wouldn't doubt it if she's down a few Mm -hmm. more. But weight loss doesn't always happen quickly. So it's important to remember that slow and steady wins the race. And I can tell you that Sharon is definitely a winner. And if you've got questions for us today, give us a call in studio at 651-641-1071. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. If you want to lose 30, 50, or even 70 pounds, sign up for our Nutrition for Weight Loss series. This 12-week series will help you start your weight loss journey. And classes are going to be starting in St. Paul and Wyzetta on June 17th, in Maple Grove on June 18th, North Oaks and Lakeville on June 19th. So we've got um, a few different series for you at all of our, or at several of our locations. So for more information and to sign up, just call 651-699-3438 and talk to someone at one of our offices. Yeah, and speaking of calling, our phone lines just kind of lit up over <laughs> break like crazy. So we're going to try to get to as many callers as possible, but we also want to make sure that we get some, you know, some good information in here as well for everybody who's listening. Right, because we do have some more um, some good- stuff on neuropathy and plantar fasciitis. But yes. let's go ahead. We'll take a couple of calls right now. Looks like Luann, you have a question about neuropathy. Welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. Miss Luann. Hi, Luann. Hi, thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. Um, My mom is 90 and she has neuropathy and it's getting worse. So she's having more trouble walking. She, um, let's see, she's not been on beta blockers, nor does she have diabetes. So I just um, wondered if you could talk a little more about what might be causing that, and then what she can do. Well, later on in the show, we're going to be talking a little bit about some food additives that she might need to be avoiding, as well as I think we talk a little bit about gluten. It's it's so individual for everybody, depending upon their history and what, again, what is the trigger of that neuropathy. So keep listening. Okay. And, and then who in your office do you think has the most... Um, knowledge about if she if she were to call in she's out of town who who has the most knowledge about neuropathy well i i feel like brenda does (laughs) brenda you're in charge Um, of the show today there's lots of research for this uh i would you know have her give me a call um brenda you also i mean not i know that luann's mother is not diabetic but you did work with a lot of diabetes patients yes in the past and so you dealt with a lot of neuropathy i'm sure saw a lot of it yes yep uh, didn't know quite as much as I do now about it, though. That's for sure. But thank you so much for giving us a call today, Luann. I hope that kind of helps point you in the right direction. Okay, thank you. Yep, thanks You're welcome. for your call. Bye-bye. And we've got more people we on the do. line. Is it okay if I just yeah, take another we'll caller just right take now? another one here, okay. yes. Hi, Carrie, you're on the air. Welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. Hi, I've had neuropathy for probably about five, six years, and I've been out of the mail, and they've done all the tests, and I'm not diabetic, and it's kind of, they said it was idiopathic because they don't know the cause, and I was just kind of wondering, um, what's your recommendation on the amount of B vitamins and zinc that you think may help? So, we were just talking about that before break, is, you know, the zinc and B12, and I know for zinc, it 
it kind of depends like how deficient someone is. Yeah. Like how, you know, have the vitamin and mineral levels been tested or are we just going off of symptoms of deficiencies? Mm-hmm. Is that more what it is? Just Yeah. And oh. I, I actually eat kind of the South Beach diet, so I do get plenty of protein. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's great. Um, I guess for taking an additional zinc supplement, I mean, we have a great one that is around 50 milligrams. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I would start with one, maybe two of those for a little while, but I wouldn't do two for mm-hmm. too long. Okay. Um, the B vitamins, I didn't see necessarily a good recommendation in the literature of how much necessarily, because a lot of times we would do kind of like a B complex. and That's what I was wondering, yeah. Depending upon what mm-hmm. you get. Um, I know they're all going to vary a little bit. You know, some of them are it's like, 50 milligrams of... and then some of them it's like thousands and right yeah. right i would i mean we have a great we have a couple of great b complex options okay. at our office brenna had mentioned one that's sublingual it's um it's by source naturals and it's co it's actually coenzymated all that means is that it doesn't need to go through your digestive tract to be absorbed you just okay. put it on your under your tongue yeah and that's a great one that's got just the right amount of all the b vitamins together oh okay and that was called? It's by Source Naturals. Yeah. And I think if you just remember um, Source Naturals, B-complex, and under the tongue. <laughs> oh, okay. Coenzymated. So. Okay. Thanks okay. so much. Yep, you're welcome. Thanks Have for the day. call. You're yeah. very welcome. Thanks for giving us all these great questions this morning. I know. All right, should we keep going? We Let's have, take we another lot, one, and then maybe we'll get help. back to our topic here. <laughs> okay. Hi, Emily. Welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. You're on the air. Do you have a question? Oh, yes, I do. I have plantar fasciitis, and for the last five weeks, I've been treating with an acupuncturist. I've decided to go that route rather than um, my orthopedic just told me to do stretching exercises. So what do you think of that treatment? Well, I know acupuncture helps people in so many different ways and for a lot of different uh diseases, I would also look at, you know, I think the acupuncture is great. It's another complementary modality, but I would also look at what can we do to stop the the inflammation internally. And that's where I think a lot of our diet recommendations of getting rid of the processed carbs and the damaged fats and making sure that you're getting enough nutrients and antioxidants, uh, the B vitamins and zinc through your food is important as well. Okay, so maybe adding that to my diet, the zinc and the B12 would be helpful? It might be helpful. It's not knowing exactly what you eat. (laughs) Hard to say. He also gave me some herbs that I think there's five or six different herbs in it. And he said it was for, you know, to bring down inflammation. Right. I can't remember the names of those herbs, but I'm taking that too. And and actually told me to use heat on my on my heel versus, like you say, the ice. And I know orthopedics recommend ice. Right. And I so think the, are... the heat can help, especially kind of loosen up those uh-huh. ligaments and muscles. The ice helps uh, reduce the inflammation. So they kind of work a little mm-hmm. differently, but... I know some people actually alternate heat and ice. Yeah. So that would be okay to do then. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh, yes. I mean, I think okay. I would do what your acupuncturist is recommending for you, but then maybe also take a look at what you can do to improve your diet and help stop the cycle of inflammation. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you. You're very welcome. welcome. Thanks for calling, Emily. So I know we have a couple minutes to break. I just 
wanted to wrap up a little bit um, of where we were before we started taking callers. Right, and, with the B vitamins. and Yeah, and please, everyone, we have a couple calls left, and I would love it if you could stay on the line. It might be just a, a couple, couple more minutes until we yeah. get through our break. But, um, you know, we're recommending... Again, this is for the B, like the B complex. Mm-hmm. We do actually recommend a B complex versus just taking like one B vitamin, right, um, to relieve neuropathy symptoms. And I had talked about that one, the coenzymated under the tongue, and then zinc. You know, anywhere from like fifty to a hundred milligrams, depending on how severe the neuropathy is. Um, also, you know, there's other symptoms of zinc deficiency, so we can go by some of these symptoms like. Craving salt or craving sugar right after a meal is mm-hmm. a big one that we see people having. But besides sugar and processed carbs, there are other foods that people with neuropathy might need to avoid. And these include things such as aspartame and sucralose, a.k.a. Splenda, mm-hmm. MSG and artificial colorings. These additives are considered neurotoxins or neuroexcitatory. And artificial sweeteners, flavorings, colorings, and MSG, they send our nerves into overdrive. And we'll talk more about this when we come back from break. You are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. We have another exciting learning opportunity for you. During the weekend of July 25th through 27th, we will be teaching the Weight and Wellness Series in our brand new St. Paul office. If you want to learn how to manage your blood sugars, get rid of joint pain, and increase your energy, You really need to sign up for this class. We've had people from all over the country take the weekend weight and wellness series. Um, Actually, people have come from California, Texas, Pennsylvania, and even Florida. Not only will you learn which foods to choose and why, but we also provide a nice balanced lunch on Saturday and delicious snacks on Sunday. Nurses can earn over 14 continuing ed credits, and everybody is going to get the new weight and wellness cookbook. So for more information, go to our website, weightandwellness.com. And if you want to sign up, the office number is 651-699-3438. At the end of a busy day, it can be tough to get motivated to get out the door for another obligation. And once you're cozy at home, who wants to go back out? But you still want to work on ways to feel better, and nutritional weight and wellness can make that easier. Right now, there are popular Balanced Foods for Balanced Moods classes available online, so you can balance your time, too. This class shows you how to use real food to reduce negative moods, increase energy, improve memory, and manage stress. And did I mention it's delicious? Get the same breakthrough coursework taught by the experts at Nutritional Weight and Wellness, but from your home and on your schedule. Learn how to feel better with the Balanced Foods for Balanced Moods class and do it in your slippers and sweatpants. Sign up today. Go to weightandwellness.com and register in a snap. It's online learning from Nutritional Weight and Wellness that helps you balance your time, too. Go to weightandwellness.com. What are you waiting for? Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. We've given you lots of dietary changes you can make to help relieve your neuropathy and plantar fasciitis, but many people need some added nutrients to support their nerve healing. So to rebuild that myelin sheath and calm the inflammation, I do recommend supplementing with omega-3 fatty acids from fish oil and alpha-lipoic acid. So for full benefit, you need to take a fish oil containing 600 milligrams of EPA Three times a day. So that would be 
two capsules of our Nutri-Keef Omega-3s three times a day, but then also take 600 milligrams of alpha-lipoic acid one time a day. You may not notice a difference right away as it can take six months or more for them to be fully incorporated into that myelin sheath and into your cells, but don't give up. Relief will come. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so I think we were just before break, I had mentioned how artificial sweeteners, flavorings, colorings, and MSG will send our nerves into overdrive and trigger that burning and tingling sensation of neuropathy. So foods that often contain artificial sweeteners include a lot of the fat-free foods like fat-free yogurt, also cereal or crystal light, sugar-free candy, frozen meals, even medications Yeah, have that. It's crazy where you find these things. But foods that contain artificial colors include, again, cereal, Nutri-Grain bars, macaroni and cheese, M&M's, and many multivitamins. I'm always taking those away from clients. <laughs> They'll come in with kind of their generic multivitamin, and I just I take it away from them. Some of the one-a-days yes. tend, tend to have that with the colorings and the additives. But our Nutri-Key twice a day, which is high in B vitamins, does not have any artificial colorings, flavorings, sweeteners, anything like that in it. And everything is is in the most absorbable form as well. So MSG, which is monosodium glutamate, is added to a lot of fast food, most Chinese food, and lots of packaged foods that are found in the grocery stores. Unfortunately, MSG goes by about 30 other names. A couple of those names are yeast extract, natural flavors, and hydrolyzed vegetable proteins. So it's kind of tricky to identify that. It is. Anytime you see that yeast extract or autolyzed yeast, just know that it's MSG. And these artificial additives are sneaky. You need to read the ingredient list on any packaged foods to know what you're eating. So if you see different food dyes, MSG or artificial sweeteners on the label, I want you to put that product back on the shelf and then run away. Run away. Brenna says run away. I would listen to her. (laughs) Let's take a couple more calls that sounds good. People have been waiting for a few minutes. We thanks wanna, for being so patient. Yeah, thank you so much for staying on the line, Fred. You're on the air, and you have a question for us today. Yes, I have two questions. I'm calling on behalf of my wife, who certainly currently has laryngitis, and she wants to know. First of all, she has a pain on the pad on the bottom of her foot, kind of right in the middle and is wondering if you have any suggestions for that. And then her second question will be about varicose veins. Uh, the foot one, we're not podiatrists, and we're, we're not really sure here. Um, I would say it doesn't sound, I mean, to me, that doesn't sound like a plantar fasciitis type of pain. Um, and it's, it also doesn't sound like gout, which is, so it's in the middle of the foot, Yes. Uh huh. Gosh, I I apologize. I don't know that and we'd right be able to the, the toes identify the cause of that. I would, you know, good nutrition to help reduce the inflammation of it, but I I can't really speak to that exactly. She and I both currently are doing the gluten free, sugar free, dairy free program. Mm-hmm. She might just need, I don't know, if a little iced and. Rest off of that foot might be great, but uh, the other question you had was on varicose veins. Yes. And I remember asking Dar this, I think when I first uh, started working here, and we were talking about varicose veins, but really making sure that people are eating 
enough protein and to help support strong vein structure, but then maybe even needing a little extra vitamin C so that, uh, again, you're supporting strong, healthy veins can be important as well. So, And I would add in an omega-3 fish oil as well if she's not already doing that. Probably in the dose that Brenna, well, not quite the dose that you were talking about for neuropathy, but at least three fish oil soft gels per day. And that'll just help support good blood flow through all of her blood vessels, the veins and the arteries. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So pass on that information and hopefully um, she will have some relief from Um, her foot issue and the varicose veins. And the laryngitis. We hope she feels better. (laughs) Thank you very much. All right. Thank you for your call. We just have one more caller and a couple minutes left. So I'm going to take Teresa's call. Hi. Welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition, Teresa. You have a question about neuropathy. Yes, my sister went through chemotherapy, and since then she's had neuropathy issues, you know, um, where she can't even stand up straight, just has special shoes, and she lives in a group home, and I'm telling you, those diets aren't good. I had her over here and there's some of my wonderful dishes that you guys uh, gave to me, and she was just, like, diving into it and rolling around like a dog because <laughs> so healthy and wonderful. Aww. What can she do? I mean, is there anything that can reverse this if it's a chemotherapy issue? I think it might take a little while to hopefully reverse it from the chemotherapy. I It can. I know that I've seen people uh, reverse it, but it just takes a little while because chemo is so toxic to not only the cancer cells, but to the rest of the body as well. So I think supporting her as much as you can with the good foods, with the real foods, and especially your proteins and your fats. Maybe looking at doing, again, some zinc and B-complex mm-hmm. supplementation. Car, I think you had some thoughts on gut health. Well, what came to mind when, whenever I hear chemotherapy, I mean, it's, it's obviously very hard on the entire body, but particularly on the gut. Um, and if her gut is not in working order, she's probably not going to be absorbing nutrients, even if she were eating the best food and all the best supplements. Um, So really to support the gut, I would recommend bifidobacteria as a probiotic and L-glutamine, which is an amino acid. Okay. And and we know that the glutamine is really good for cancer, you know, Mm -hmm. anybody going through cancer, but also uh, post-treatment recovery because it really helps support the cell regeneration of the Mm -hmm. rest of the body. And both of those oh. things get very depleted. The good bacteria and L-glutamine get depleted during chemotherapy. So if you take that 15 twins for your meal and your meal's not ready and you're eating a half an hour later, does that mess that up? Does that still have the same effect? No, you're totally fine then. Oh, okay. So that's a minimum then. Okay. Yeah. Well, wonderful. Thanks so much. You guys are the best. Yeah. Thank oh, you for your call. Thank you. Have a great weekend. Bye. Bye-bye. So we have a couple minutes left, um, and you, we were talking about additives and just best to avoid any artificial sweeteners, flavoring, colors, that MSG, and there's it's a big list. Mm-hmm. It's a big list of ingredients, and I was reading this book called Rich Food, Poor Food, and that's where they have a really nice way of going through that and looking at these ingredients to avoid, but... A lot of people may not know this, but at Weight and Wellness, we do offer grocery store tours. So imagine how great it would be to walk through your local grocery store with us, just one-on-one, 
helping you learn which foods to leave out of your cart and then which ones to stock up on. So we may not be able to be your personal chef, but we can be your personal shopping aid for a day. Now, we I know we don't have a lot of time left, but we can't get through any radio show without talking about gluten for a minute. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> so because we just, we'll end with that. <laughs> yes. Gluten is implicated in many chronic diseases because it increases inflammation in so many people's bodies. Next to uncontrolled blood sugars, James McAfee, author of Your Body's Sign Language, believes gluten is one of the leading triggers of neuropathy. And I know one of our callers commented that he and his wife are both doing gluten-free, right. dairy-free. So it's a very anti-inflammatory way to eat. And for people with autoimmune conditions, the gluten protein that's found in wheat, rye, barley, spelt, and camet can cause the immune system to misfire and attack healthy tissues. So, so not to go gluten-free when there's any type of uh, autoimmune Mm-hmm. And definitely important for neuropathy as well. Right. I think we had had somebody, maybe a caller, asking about Sjogren's. Mm-hmm. They didn't, they stick on, but uh, maybe consider gluten-free for that. Mm-hmm. And I hope everybody has a wonderful Memorial Day weekend. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week. Thanks for listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. The content and opinions expressed are those of the hosts or presenters. They are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Statements made with respect to products have not been evaluated by the FDA.